chingo, 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 chingo. When Kenneth became TK CEO, he signaled a change in enterprise focus towards a more sustainable growth trajectory. He called it the value era and placed it in context of previous eras, the 70s, 80s founding era, stabilization era of the early 90s, the growth era into the noughts, then the finance era of the 2010s. Each era had its focus and its mechanisms for success. Now, many of us, quite naturally and organically, reflect on those same eras through the lens of who was in charge at the time. Founder Torben Kalshoy, Jim Hood, who steadied the ship after Torben's death, Bjorn Muller, who turbocharged TK's ambition and growth, Peter Evanson and his clever financial plays and systems, and now Kenneth Vid, trying to re-engineer TK's relationships with stakeholders to be more long-term thinking with a more sustainable model. I wanted to revisit my conversation with John Adams in Glasgow, which began in episode one. John has been around TK for 30 years. He's lived through these eras with these people. I asked him to reflect on that experience in the context of his own career. The eras that Kenneth produced, just to mention that, because I've talked about that in different ways, only I've aligned it to the CEOs at the time. But those, those phases just about summarise it. I mean, I would say that uh, when I joined this company, uh, just very briefly, I'd been in two fairly senior positions in other shipping companies. I'd been a consultant. I say that because I never considered myself to be a 30-year man. Mm-hmm. I would come somewhere and stay 30 years. I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't see that. So therefore, coming back to those eras, that for me is a good way of explaining it. The Torben eras, the founders eras, as, uh, as, as Kenneth called it, that was an exciting time to join a shipping company. And I've told you before that I heard about TK by chance. And then I don't think we headhunted in those days, but I got a phone call for someone to join the company and that um, a joint venture company at that time. And I knew about this guy, this Torben Kalshoy, who was building ships in Japan at the time. Uh, so I knew there was a plan for the future and expansion at a time when the industry wasn't doing much of that. So. That was my first phase. Then we went into following uh, Torben's death and other things that affected the company at that time, which were well documented. We moved into that stabilizing period. But even then, that was a, a good time for the, the, the future managers and leaders of this organization earned their spurs, so to speak, during that right. time, saving the company, preserving it for the future, then beyond coming along with the strategy through all the expansion that we're all uh, familiar with uh, that happened then. Then Peter bringing in that financial leadership and now onto, um, onto Kenneth's time for the, for the value era. That, makes, that helps me summarize. Like chapters it, in the, in it's, the it, Not only just chapters, but it makes it seem almost like four or five different companies right. that I was with at that time. Right. Although my role has been constant, but the, the nuances on it have changed, the strategies have changed, the priorities have changed, the drivers have changed. That's what's kept me engaged. And that's what uh, you know, probably excites and, and stimulates uh, me and many others who have seen the company through that time. So we can talk about the past through the lens of how we operated or who was leading us 
and no one knows those leaders more intimately than Theresa Murray. Well, with Bjorn, we did we did just match. It was like a brother sister, almost like an office marriage relationship, and you you know from day one if it's going to work or not. Theresa has been a mainstay at TK for 25 years, since not long after TK first moved to Vancouver from California. Although she started in the HR department, she's best known for being the assistant to our last three CEOs, Bjorn, Peter and Kenneth, which, by the way, is not the name of a middle-aged scando pop group. Theresa is a warm and community-minded leader in the office with wide interests and good connections. Like all good executive assistants, she is not just doing a job, but representing the office of the CEO. Shout out to all the TKEAs! We know where the power really sits in the office. Um, a couple of people have joked and said that when they started, they were told that I was the most important person in in the company. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that was partially a joke, but partially true because I guess people know if I'm asking for something for instance for Kenneth they know that I need it and I'm not trying to be difficult I've just got to I've got to get it so I think sometimes people are maybe working a little bit quicker to provide me with information so let's find out some more about her and yeah we'll try to dig up some dirt on her bosses too and we will start even further back Back before Teresa even started at TK, talking with Torben on the phone, and later observing Jim Hood's tenure as CEO. You know, so you joined in 1993, so very soon after we moved to Vancouver. So what was it like, what was the first, uh, when you first joined, what, what did you experience at TK? What kind of company did you think you were joining? I thought I was joining a huge shipping company because I'd been working at a local shipping company, which in comparison oh. to TK was very small. We had three little cruise ships and a couple of crew ferries that operated throughout oh. the, the province. So I knew about TK because my previous boss was instrumental in the tax lobby to get TK to come here to oh. Canada for the tax reasons. So he was acquainted and worked with Torben and that's how I knew Torben and the first time I actually spoke with Torben was on the phone when he screamed at me because my boss was late for lunch that was very exciting <laughs> so you did actually meet Torben I actually did not meet him oh. I only spoke with him and then unfortunately he had passed away before I started with DK mm. so you joined soon after very soon after he died then mm -hmm. uh, yeah November 1993 oh, okay um, and so you joined a company that was being led by Jim Hood. That's correct. And uh, there was no board of directors then. And I joined in the HR department. And it was very small. We had 80 employees here in Vancouver. And it was more like a family. And I did the payroll and the benefits and WCB and looked after cell phones and did the travel for the entire office and things like that. Mm. So it was completely different than now where you have such specialized. There was no such thing as email when I started. Whoa! <laughs> Everything was sent by telex. So, and to the ships? 
That's correct. So there was a telex machine in the office just spewing out little bits of paper, was it? You, you had to sit and type it in. Ah. Yeah. And so w would you actually send messages to the ships? I didn't, but they had a girl that looked after all the vessel uh, orders and were talking, you know, pages and pages of instructions. So it was very time consuming. At the top of the show, Teresa talked about relationships at work being kind of familial in nature. And it is a recurring theme of the podcast, the TK family. That intimacy she had with Bjorn, she then had to rekindle, so to speak, with subsequent CEOs, like getting remarried. Hey, we're not a dating show, but how does that work? At the beginning, you kind of feel it out and get to know each other's personalities and what you can say and can't say. And luckily, I would say with all three of the CEOs, I've been able to uh, give them my views, give them my opinions, uh, share new ideas, and they've listened to me, which is really important. And I appreciate their feedback, and I'm not afraid to say anything to them. Yeah, so how do, how do you observe how to change when a new CEO comes in. Like, they're very different characters. So um, how did you, what did you have to do in order to kind of pivot when you, when, a, when say Bjorn retired and Peter came in or when Peter retired and Kenneth came in? Well, luckily I had the advantage of knowing Peter and Kenneth before I was their EA. Right. So I knew their personalities for a number of years. And had a feel of how I would have to change my work style to fit with theirs. But it, it was a learning curve with both Peter and Kenneth. And then Peter was uh, what you might call a remote CEO because he lived in New York um, and you're here in Vancouver. So how was that? Like, How often did you talk and how did you make that relationship work when you're you know, the gatekeeper to the CEO and you have a list of things that he has to execute on every day? Uh, you have to have a lot of patience, especially with Peter, because he's going a mile a minute and concentrating on a number of things. But we spoke on the phone a lot, and I would have a list of things that we would try and get through. And Peter was really good at making himself available to me. He'd know that if I was calling him, it was important. It wasn't to chat and say, how are you today? Right. So he was very good at making himself available when he wasn't here. Um, and then Bjorn is a very uh, detail-oriented person, and so um, as a as an assistant to him, how did did he put you under pressure? Like, could you make mistakes, for example? Uh, yeah, I could make mistakes, but he would tell me, <laughs> 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 which is fine. You live or you learn by your mistakes. Um, I would say, out of the three CEOs, he was the most involved in what I did. He would be wanting to know exactly the details I set up, um, how I was going to go about it, can we see it on paper. He also wanted to, to uh, investigate a number of options rather than just accept what was given to him. So right. some, you had to be patient for that. Right. Whereas Peter was a complete opposite. Peter uh, gave me free reign to make a lot of decisions, which was really good. Uh, again, if I made a mistake, he would tell me, but I was free to make mistakes. And then with Kenneth, he's kind of a combo of both of them. So he 
is interested and looks at the detail, but from afar rather than diving in really deep. Mm. And again, he gives me uh, the authority to, to make certain decisions without checking with him. So CEOs come and go with their own personality type and force of nature. Have they swayed the organizational DNA as well? For Teresa, not so much. I think a lot of the underlying uh, principles and values are the same no matter who the CEO is. Some of the things such as safety, integrity, uh, doing the right thing, people, it's been the same with all three of them. Of course, when we look back through the eras, we should not live in the past. This is something I discussed with John Adams. So fast forward to today and we've got this conundrum, or any organisation would have a conundrum on something that happened a long time ago and, and how to make it relevant today. And it's a challenge because we're a very different company, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, all of these eras that we've been through and the growth, we're now over 200 vessels mm -hmm. and in multiple different segments. So what is the next version of that TK standard? Uh, I think as I demonstrated uh, when Kenneth and the SLT are here, uh, we can still hold ourselves very well against industry averages and industry standards and that, uh, you know, fleet availabilities of 99% in some cases mm -hmm. or 99 point whatever that, you know, so we still have there, you know, and, 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 and still so far uh, good safety standards and so on. So we, we still have all that there to, to leverage on and, and build on. But it's not going to be the differentiator and so on. I mean, we, we, we did uh, give a direction to, to others. They all have their competence management programs. They all have uh, different quality assurance programs. They have different initiatives, different software. Digitization is everywhere. But we've got something that I haven't seen in many other organizations, which is still, even today, operational leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I was I was at a conference. I wasn't speaking for a change, and <laughs> and someone else on the floor said, uh, and and TK have this uh, this program of everyone's uh, of operational leadership where everyone's a leader, and and that's the language we're using now, of course. But that's how it was described by someone not yeah, in TK nice, eh? to that group, and that's when you know you've got something special there. We have to go back and harness that. We're relaunching it. January, uh, we, we probably have it ready, as you know. So I, I think that we can get a lot of buy-in to that. And I've talked to Kenneth, and I think we can get the common language with everyone to leader, which I know is close to his heart. But I think this is meaningful. It's tangible. It really is, literally. We're the only people that talk about boardroom to frontline operations right. and engaging it in uh, the organization in that way. From boardroom to the frontline at TK, Everyone has a part to play as operational leaders, as the face of the TK brand. Let's go full circle and finish by channeling TK's first CEO, founder, Torben Karlshoi. Would Torben be looking down with that inscrutable look on his face, supporting us as we go? For John, as long as we keep it simple, do what is right and learn as we go, then yeah, probably. You know, Axel Karlshoi's just recently retired from the board, and he's been, of course, a great supporter of TK since his brother's death. But if you, if Torben was still here, what do you think he would be saying about the brand and about the the operations and the team? I, I tend to uh, think of Torben as um, 
has been quite traditional, quite conservative. Mm. I mean, the, the one quote that he always gave was just resonated with me was stuff like, read the book, go by the book, do the right thing. Yeah. This is this is fundamentals. These don't change. And I think if we can make sure we're doing that and don't get distracted with a lot of other stuff, uh, I think that's the type of organisation uh, that, that, that he uh, would be proud to, it still has his name. Because that's the whole point of this legacy stuff and looking back. It must be said, using these eras again, it's not just that we're looking back at Torben, we're looking and living in the past. It's, it's what are we learning from that? Right. And what we learn from that, we took into the expansion in 98. And what we learn from that took us into the financial part. And what we learn from all of that is what will drive us in the right direction right. today. So I think it's, as long as we are learning the right things. A postscript to my chat with John. Since we met a few months ago, it was announced that John was bidding TK adieu after that 30-year-long journey. Indeed, his last week is the week in which this recording is released. And this, I suppose, is my small parting gift. I'm glad I got to discuss the arc of TK's journey with one of its real statesmen always enjoyable and educational, learning from the past and looking to the future. Which reminds me, one of my favourite quotes is by the futurist Alvin Toffler, who says something along the lines of, the illiterate of the 21st century will be those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. In Torben's case, this might have been defined as entrepreneurial spirit, as Mads Meldgaard, one of the original TKs, describes. He, he's a true entrepreneur. He kept going. Like there was nothing that, he didn't see any obstacles. Whether he went, you know, whether there were financial crises or things were difficult, it was just keep moving on. I have this vision. I can build this company to something great. Bjorn Muller, who as CEO presided over the aforementioned growth era and reported to Teresa, also knew Torben well. I think when Torben was around, you always knew something exciting was going to happen. I don't think much has changed since, frankly, and nor did Mads, Bjorn and David Glendening in turn. I think we, there's a lot of spirit in TK. Uh, the people who used to work there, I mean, I... I still go out with people that are ex-TK employees and everybody loves the company. There's nobody who really doesn't. And the spirit that the company had and built upon after Torben passed away, Jim Hood took over and then Bjorn, they managed to create and, and uh, prolong the spirit that Torben had in his legacy of Torben. And that, that's amazing. Very, very soon after Torben passed away, the company probably moved off in a direction which would have been potentially opposite to what he might have done. So we, we quickly decided, let's stop guessing what Torben would have done, and let's just do what we think should be done, but do it in the way Torben would have done it. Of, of all the qualities that are so in Torben, certainly the entrepreneurial spirit still shines through here today. By the way, shout out to Yumi Karlshoi, Torben's youngest daughter. Yumi interviewed the three characters we just heard from for a project we did a few years ago. We will meet here again and use more from her good work in future episodes.
throughout our 45-year history, TK has been a change organisation. We can deal with stuff. The macroeconomic shocks, the ever-changing market dynamics, the expansion into new arenas, the complexity of organisational and financial structures, the transnational touchpoints, the ebb and flow of regionalisation and centralisation, incorporating new companies and cultures into the organisational fabric. Hey, even changes in leadership, personnel and philosophy. All of these things have made TK a highly adaptable organisation, one that, to John Adams, seems like five or six companies. Do you feel the same way? Teresa does. It was kind of a surprise to me that I'm here after 25 years, but I think part of the reason for that would be because working for three different CEOs instead of one, it's different challenges, it's new learning experiences, the company's changing. So it's not same old, same old after 20 years being an assistant. It's the job is evolving and the boards and, and the people. Yeah, so one of the things I've had other conversations with other people is that, that have been here a long time, it's like, it's almost that they've worked for, um, they've worked for TK for a long time, but they've almost worked for multiple different companies in that time. Exactly. I mean, it started when we, when we took over Bona because the company changed then, and it changed when we, when we started the MLP companies, and then it changed with tankers and changed with the new CEO slightly. So it's never a dull moment, that's for sure. Mm. And when you went public in 1995... Long may Teresa reign over us, I say. A collective institutional muscle for change and adaptability that ability and willingness to learn, unlearn and relearn, seems pivotal to our long-term success, to becoming that 100-year shipping company that, that Kenneth refers to. In my opinion, it is something we have. Maybe we're not as quick and agile as a startup, but we have that entrepreneurial spirit and a touch of confidence, maybe even arrogance, that we can ride the waves of the industry and make it happen, no matter which direction we head next. Cheers to the past, but here's to the future. If you have recommendations of who we should include in the podcast in the future, please let me know. Everyone has a story to tell. People like us who do things like this. Cheerio. Cheerio.